It's Alexis Dubief with the Precious Little Sea Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We're kicking off a three-part series focused on the logistics and issues of going back to work. Today's podcast is centered on daycare, finding great daycare, deciding which daycare is a good fit for you, and tips and tricks on how to work really, really well with your daycare provider. The next two podcasts will be focused on additional issues around naps, transitions, feeding your child, pumping, logistics, lots of great stuff. If you have any questions or comment on our Going Back to Work podcast series, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at preciouslittlesleep.com. And without further ado, let's dig in. Hi, this is Elizabeth, and I'm joined today by Katka and our special guest, Franny, on the Precious Little Sleep podcast to talk about navigating the daycare scene. And I wanted to start by telling um, everyone that it took us quite a while to organize a schedule where we could all meet because we've got, I'm here in Fairbanks, Alaska. We've got Katka, who's in Bratislava and Slovakia, 10 hours time difference. And Franny, who is in the Boston area, who's four hours away. Not only that, you're talking about Franny with a newborn and um, a three-year-old who is in daycare and Katka with two kids of her own and my two who are also, well, actually the older ones in first grade and my younger one who's um, in preschool. So a lot to navigate. And I'm sure that a lot of parents out there can sympathize with that kind of scheduling. So I wanted actually to start by, maybe I'll invite um, uh, Franny to talk a little bit about um, finding a daycare, a place that you were happy with. And, um, you know, you're about to actually send your second one uh, to daycare. And, And if you could tell us a little bit about your feelings there. Absolutely. So, um, my older daughter, like you said, is three and a half. And when we embarked on looking for daycare for her, we were actually quite limited um, geographically. We didn't have that many options near us. Um, the best advice that I got, well, there was two piece of, pieces of advice. The first was to try to get a personal recommendation, which is not always possible. Um, but that's eventually what we did. And the second is to go to the state licensing board for your state. And they usually have a cool interactive map with um, a list of all of the licensed daycares, both in-home and centers that are um, in your zip code. So I did a really comprehensive search with spreadsheets and I was very organized about it, you know, writing down all the very, you know, the hours that they kept and the number, the ratio of providers to kids for every single in-home and daycare center that was licensed within a two-mile radius of, um, of our house. So that that was sort of where I started. And then we did end up getting a personal recommendation for a really amazing little in-home um, daycare that was right near where I worked. Um, Can I interrupt to ask, what is a, is a personal recommendation just someone says, oh, I, my kids go to this place and I really like it? Yes, that's that's okay. basically what I mean. Just so it's not, it, it just lessens the feeling of I'm, you're giving your baby to a stranger. That's what mm-hmm. I found. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. that, that was actually what we did the second time too. So we've since moved towns um, when we had our second baby two months ago. So this time there's a um, an online parents list serve for the new town where we live. So I posted two different times um, over the last six months, probably asking for recommendations for in-home daycares. And both times 
I got four recommendations for the same place. So a total of probably six to eight different families that had all sent their kids to this one daycare. Um, that's a block from where we live. So that is obviously where we chose to send our little list, which she'll be starting. Yeah. Right now in three weeks. yeah that's, that's amazing. Um, to be a block away. That's yes. great. <laughs> which is um, great. Katka, you, um, so Franny and I both sent our kids to daycare. My, my, um, both of mine started a form of daycare at, at four weeks old. Yeah. Um, and your experience is a little bit different because I think your first son started when he was a little two. younger. Yeah. So, he was the um, very you... first time he went, he was okay. 15 months or so. So quite late. And then how do you go about finding and, and, and how did you, I, I wanted to ask too, I was curious, how did you end up making well, that decision? For me, well, um, parental leave in Slovakia is quite long, so I did not have to send him to a daycare. So essentially it was just to keep my sanity because he was a high needs baby who turned into a high maintenance toddler and I just needed a bit of a break. So so we agreed with my mm -hmm. husband that it was a good idea to send him to daycare for a few hours here and there. I also wanted to start working slowly. I am a freelance interpreter, so when I work, I work. When I don't, I don't. So there are periods when I don't work at all. But you can't just, you know, send your kid to a daycare for a week once every two months. That doesn't work that way. The kid needs to be used to the um, environment, to the people and so on. So I thought he would go for a few hours uh, once or twice a week. And essentially I look, looked up all the um, daycares that were close to us and then visited all of them and then picked the one which I liked the best where I got a good vibe from the people. There were a few... I didn't like, and I really recommend that you go and ask all the questions. Don't be shy to ask about everything. Just, it's your kid. You need to be sure that they are in good hands, so ask away. So we ended up with a place which was really, really, really close to, to us, and um, we ended up changing it. <laughs> uh, but it at the beginning, it was good. So he started just um, maybe two or three hours a day, twice a week, and then we slowly, very slowly built up from there. Okay, yeah. When we'll get to talking about, you know, how that kind of scenario is, a, is different from, you know, a kid who goes to daycare five days a week, you know, and you anticipate some kind of routine because yours yeah. is kind of not routine yeah. and it would have its own challenges associated with it. I, w I wanted to share my experience, was, which is that we moved to Alaska when uh, my son, who's now six, when he was six months old. And that this was going to be the, his first start of full-time daycare because up till then I had managed to find kind of part-time um, care for him, you know, kind of two full days and a half day a week. And then my husband and I uh, alternated the rest of the days because I'm in, in um, I teach at a university, so I have a somewhat more flexible schedule. And, and that was so wonderful for me, honestly, as a mom to be able to you know, be flexible in the beginning before I ramped back to five days a week. But we, you know, we arrived in Alaska and I'd already look, you know, lined up three places that we were going to look at. 
And I went to the first one. We went to the first one. And and when we left, I just broke down sobbing. It was such a horrible place. Like they had these wooden cribs that were stacked vertically up against the wall. And that had these like wooden slats kind of that um, as the door that you open and close and that actually lock shut. Which and the whole place smelled like Not pee. Good. It was and this terrible. is what I said that you really need to um, go there yeah, to was, see I the place for yourself because you just know that no, this is this is not the place. No way, no way. I'm leaving my baby here. Absolutely. Yeah, we the first in home that we looked at, we went to visit the in home that was recommended to us, and then we went to see a couple of other places just so we had some basis for comparison. And we had the same experience. The other ones we went to go see, you know, one of them had the TV on when we were there and the, you know, which for us, if it's personal preference, if that's okay with people, but for us, we were hoping to have a daycare for our four month old without a TV. Um, But there's just little things that you pick up on when you're visiting a place that you won't necessarily, you know, be privy to over the phone or from a website that so it makes it really for example one place where we went yeah that's totally i just true. felt like the the daycare workers were kind of stressed out or nervous and i didn't want my child to be with someone who is stressed out by little kids i mean it's a hard job i wouldn't be able to do that but i need someone who is calm in the presence of 10 possibly crying children That's another good point, which is to watch how the teachers interact with the kids. You know, do are they, you know, hands on? Do they give cuddles? Do they react? And, you know, in in the way that you yeah. kind of would want to parent your child, right? I mean, not they're not going to be able to mimic it exactly, but they're providing care and nurturing. And uh, okay, so I wanted to to continue with this. So we ended up um, at the second place that we visited. We ended up there because the third place that we really wanted, um, they were full and we stayed on the wait list. So the second place we ended up, you know, I wasn't happy with, but it was better than the first place. So we we're fine. Um, but, and we didn't actually have a choice at that time because the other place was full up. But um, the, the way that this place was situated was that you had to bring your own pack and play and all the babies slept in the pack and play that you provide. Um, and it was in a basement and it was a bunch of babies. And in, in Alaska, the ratio was five to one. And so there really were 10 babies and two caregivers, which I think is does not work out that well, honestly. But um you know, I'd, I'd pick him up at the end of the day and the person who took care of him would say something like, well, he didn't feel like napping today. And I'm like, he's six months old. Like he doesn't <gasps> oh, really get a choice in this. He not okay. like, you know, like you make him nap. And I picked him up one day and he was just like, you know, lying in the pack and play with a bottle of warmed up milk, you know, propped up in his oh, mouth, which oh. is like every single site tells you yeah. don't do that like you're supposed to hold a baby when you give them a bottle and so things were getting really emotional for me um so we actually did then you, did you decide what's to change that the place well i yeah i wanted to change the place um and and i said okay we need to we're gonna take him and we're gonna go visit that third place who said that they were full we hadn't visited them until that point but we took him with us on the visit and i don't know if that made a difference or not but we got in about two weeks later um and it was it was 
miraculous, you know, the difference in, in the level of care. And so this place was what they call a development center. And that's, that's a keyword that parents might look for. Um, you know, so some of the differences here in the centers are there's at home, which Franny mentioned, which is, you know, some people taking care of a range of ages of kids in their home and, and you go and visit and you can find out there's um, the setup for yourself. And then there are larger centers and the larger centers um, have have different ways that they set things up. But the place we ended up with, um, they call it a development center because they're really focused on, you know, every day there's, uh, you know, uh, what, what they call fine motor skill challenges and gross motor skill challenges. And it's a large place. So they have a lot of you know, stuff, basically toys and stuff that they can switch out regularly. Um, And then, for example, in the winter, which is pretty hard in in Alaska anyway, they have these big buggies and they load the kids into the buggies and they take them on walks through the whole center. It happened to be affiliated with a church, which was kind of weird because I'm Jewish, but it ended up working out totally fine. Um, And and anyway, we we really liked it. Um, And I wondered, let's see. Franny, was what I was going to ask you if you looked into what kind of center did your um, kids end up in, and, and did you look at the at home versus the large centers, and how did you end up making your decision? Yeah, so good question. So there was only one big center that geographically worked for us, so it made that decision a little bit easier. Um, we didn't even bother going to look at it because we called them. And there were something like 60 kids there, you know, they had different classrooms and whatnot. But, you know, for me, the fear with a big center was almost like you had referred to the, I call it the pack and play farm, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, not a cube farm, but just these rows and rows and rows of pack and plays with all the kids sleeping and the bigger centers just for some reason made me feel less comfortable than in a really, really good high quality in, in home. So we had called probably two places to get information about their ratios and looked at their website. And we just ended up not even bothering going to see them because the in-home that we saw, we just loved it so much. We just stopped. No, that makes <laughs> We sense. stopped there. Um, yeah. Katka, what about you? Where does your uh, older son go? What kind of so places? So we started in, um, in an in-home daycare, which was, um, I think originally it was just the mom who was taking care of her daughter and maybe a friend's kid. And then she started taking on more kids and then it slowly grew. So it started smaller and then it went growing. And um, we tried to get him in actually a bit sooner, but he was at on two naps still at the time, which didn't work for her because she had kids who were a bit older and all of them were on one nap and she just couldn't abandon the kids twice a day to put my son on his two naps so that didn't work so we only joined them after he went down to one nap and um, it was okay Um, eventually when he got two and started you know when the terrible twos hit us they did not handle him that well so we ended up changing daycares just before I gave birth which was very not ideal this is exactly what I did not want to do but um we really thought yeah well this opens so many questions for me like what what exactly did they not well, handle I well i think did, she did not have experience with kids who were 
more intense and high energy and maybe a little behind in uh, some areas like uh, Matush had a speech delay. So all the other kids were a bit older and um, the girls were really like the type of kid who, you know, talks early and uh, the little girls, they all um, potty trained themselves at the age of two, just deciding that I don't want a diaper anymore. And that was it. So she had like really easy kids. And then Matush came and he was like, a, you know, the... He was a difficult kid for her, and I, I, I think she couldn't handle that really well. And I saw that they were starting to label him as the problem child, and I was not cool with that at all uh-huh. because this was a private daycare. We also have, uh, you know, state subsidized daycares, so this was a private one, and uh, where you come in and you see that the moment something happens, they start looking around for your kid because they're convinced that he must be the source of the trouble when he's not even out of his shoes yet, you know, there is a problem. So this was a huge red flag for us and uh, it bothered me a lot and it stressed me out. I was, you know, like four weeks uh, from giving birth to my second child and I really did not want to switch daycares just around, you know, due date, but we decided that it really was the only thing to do. But you did. And, you know, I think that this is a really important note, which is that if things are not going well in the daycare that you've chosen, you know, you talk to them and find out what the problem is. But if it's not a problem that can be remedied, yeah. Yeah. switch places. First, it was things like yes. when I came, they would tell me, well, he had a really bad day. He had two tantrums. And I thought, well, that's what two years old do, right? I mean, this is not like he didn't bite anyone. He didn't smash anyone with, um, I don't know, a, a fire truck over their head. It's not like, I mean, he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't, you know, he's not a bad kid. He's just not handling his emotions because he's two. So he had two tantrums. So so what am I... I'm, this is your job to handle that. I, I wasn't there. I could. I can't help you. I can talk to him at home, but this is your, you know, you have to deal with this. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah. right. I mean, you're yeah. a caregiver. Yeah, you should have experience with this. You should know that this is normal. I mean, I will talk to him, obviously, but you should not yeah. present this to me like something horrible happened. Like. Oh my God, we have a problem. Right. He had a tantrum. Well, you know, Katya, a number of things that you said just makes me think of so many things. Like, first of all, you know, you talk about how where you live, um, you know, there's there's not this kind of pressure yeah. for yeah, because our maternity parent leave is really long. This is something that we could probably yeah. talk about for hours and hours and hours. You know, it's a difficult decision to face, and and every family does it deals with it a little bit differently in the U S with the, you know, basically there's six weeks of um, family medical leave as it's called. And then you talk about state supported daycare places, which there are in the U S you know, if you, um, you know, depending on your income level, there are places that, that supplement the, the daycares and the place that we ended up with that development center. They do have that. Um, But the last thing that you mentioned about, you know, how people are trained to deal with 
uh, kids, you know, they're saying, oh, he threw a tantrum. You know, it's, there's basically, I, I shouldn't say this is going to sound bad, but there's very little training that's required. Yeah. More experience than a training. daycare giver, right? And so the that place that we ended up with in the first one that I told you about, you know, one of the girls that worked there, you know, I asked her about her experience in childcare and she said, well, you know, I grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters and I'm thinking, this is how you, this is what qualifies you to take care of my baby is that you had a lot of brothers and yeah. sisters. I mean, it's not fair. Yeah. And yet, you know, that they get $10 an hour, you know, and in often cases with no benefits, the development center we ended up with, they get $10 an hour, but they also had full benefits. So they really were able to, um, I'm, I'm not sure to suss people out a, you know, a little bit more. Ironically, that same girl ended up working there a few years later and then was fired very quickly and ended up bagging Ooh. groceries at the store. For us, this was actually an interesting thing too, because we, it, we insisted on, um, doing a few different visits with the daycare that we chose. We haven't been quite, you know, second kid. We haven't been quite as um, diligent this time around, mostly because of all of the recommendations we had. But with the first, the first daycare for my older daughter, we, you know, did like an hour long interview with the director asking her all of these questions that we had found online. And then we asked to come back during daycare hours so that we could actually watch the interaction mm -hmm. with the kids. And we saw a child in the daycare who was having some kind of behavioral trouble. Um, and we saw, we got to see them disciplining her, which was awesome for us because, you know, for me, it was like this woman, these teachers are so much better at this than I am <laughs> like, at being patient and, Learning you know, moments. being gentle and they pulled her aside. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was so great, you know. And she, they pulled her aside and they asked her if she understood why, you know, why she was being separated from the other kids, and could she, you know, she had to go apologize and all of this stuff. And it was, it was just a really great moment for us to feel so secure. Even though, like I said, my older daughter was, you know, only three months old at the time, but we just yeah. trusted them and their judgment and their experience. That is imperative to not to go to choose a place, and all places yeah. really should be like this. That say you can drop in any time right and even like my kids preschool now even their elementary school for that matter parents are allowed to join for lunch the daycares would say drop in any time you know yeah. and you should be able to do that they should have just nothing ever going on that a parent Makes shouldn't sense. be able to see right and what i loved actually just on that note we i asked that question i said you know is it okay if i drop in in the middle of the day because they were close to my office and the, the director said it's okay especially when she's younger but once she gets a little older basically once she develops object permanence she mm -hmm. said it's even harder for her to say goodbye to you twice than to say goodbye to you once and you know, for her to have my daughter's best interest at heart, even above mine, was mm -hmm. again just sort of the perfect answer. And I would like to for, drop for in me here at that point, with so. something because when my second son started daycare and he started a little bit earlier, I thought, well, I just I will just put him there for you know one day a week, and um, our daycare director said you know i know where you're coming from i know you want to start slowly and gently but honestly his memory does not reach that far if he only comes once a week he will not remember it next week so essentially he will be adapting 
again and again and again each week anew. So she said, bring him in at least twice a week because then he will adapt and then he will remember that, oh, I've been here and you know this place is nice and I get to play and I like the people and so on. So this is, you know, for people who can decide that they only want to put their kid in daycare for, you know, just a few days a week, at least two days is usually better. I think that's a really good point as well, Katka. And um, I wanted to to talk to you a little bit since you brought it up here about, um, you know, well, one, starting daycare at a later age versus a younger age and two, having it, be, you know, uh, uh, sorry to back up a minute, um, because uh, that separation anxiety yeah. you know, starts around nine yeah. months and then maybe yes. it retracts a bit, but then it kind of crops yeah. in again at, at one and a half or so. So um, tell me, you know, talk to me a little bit about that because, you know, Franny and I here were dropping off our baby. Yeah, at three car, months, they don't really, doesn't get they're not aware of being dropped off in mm-hmm. daycare. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. 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 No, Harder for sure. Us. No, no, no. Yes. I, I totally get that. Yeah. So uh, essentially there is, uh, you have to count on your kid needing some time to adjust obviously and some kids take a bit longer but usually I would say it's like one to three weeks of an adjustment period of adaptation and um, you don't want to prolong okay, the torture yes, so can, uh, <laughs> yes the kid will even at yeah, 16 yeah. months that's so you do know. not want to prolong the torture you don't really maybe want to make it very gradual because I kept wanting to maybe I should stay here for a while so that he gets used to the place and he feels safe and so on. And the director said, I understand wow. what you mean, but it's, you know, if you stay, he will just get used to the fact that you are here and then you will leave and he will still need to get used to being here alone. So I get that you want to, you know, like make it gradual, you. but the transition still need to happen. And the transition still will suck. It will it will always suck for a while. There will be two weeks when the kid will cry, but usually it's like 15 minutes. Every daycare worker tells you that it's the mom who makes it more difficult. <laughs> don't linger around. Just drop them off. Right. Yeah. Wait, don't wait. Don't jump the gun yet because I want to get to that. But before I, I really mm-hmm. wanted to say one last thing about choosing a place and that is, um, and then we'll talk about kind of when to start and setting up a schedule uh, during daycare. But I, I wanted to mention that each parent, when they're considering their daycare place, should try to look into, this is for the U.S., I don't know how it is abroad, but what the state regulations are and what each daycare center is able to work with. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because when my son started daycare when he was six months Um, The center had set it up so that there were two designated nap times during the day. And then the state came in and I'm just going to say they effed it all up because they said that babies set their own schedules and their individual schedules. So they have to offer naps, quote unquote, on demand, which as most parents know, babies don't, you know, demand naps. They turn into like (laughs) crying puddles of awfulness. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, they had it set up the room, they darken the room, they make it really quiet. They had these curtains that they could draw around the edges of the crib. So the babies weren't distracting each other. Well, now, you know, when my second child started, 
um, now that's almost four years ago, um, the regulations had changed so that the daycare worker had to have direct line of sight to every baby. So they couldn't put the curtains around the cribs anymore. Um, and because they had this sort of sleep on demand thing, the lights were on and there were babies up and playing, you know, all day, every day, which was kind of a, a really hard thing. But this is where an at-home daycare, you know, might be more, might suit you better because, you know, here you have adults with the flexibility to say, okay, I can, you know, separate out a part of my home for the infants who will nap at the same time mm -hmm. and we'll get them all on the same schedule yep. um, versus the older kids who all keep yeah. busy in another room. That's exactly how ours was. That's right. So that's, that's a clear advantage there, but I'm just, and every state is different. So I started, I got obsessed with this. I actually called the state regulator who said to me, you know, I know that it sucks, but these are our rules. And that's why my own kids aren't in daycare. And I wanted to throttle them <laughs> through the phone, but, um, I looked into, you know, California had passed a rule that said that sleeping areas were going to be separated from play areas. We don't have that rule in Alaska, but other places do. And that's something that, you know, just ask about, be informed about. Um, and then look into things like uh, in, in for that particular daycare, what are their regulations? Can they use a swing? Do they swaddle? Do they aim to get babies to nap on the same schedule? Are they willing to follow your schedule? Yeah. And they wear or those. Or really to follow important. what works with you at home? Yeah. Um, um, and all same thing, if you're breastfeeding, are they going to offer breast milk in a bottle? Will they do that? I mean, I don't know of a single place that doesn't do that, but just make sure that they do how they handle it. Um, do they have provide their own food? Do you uh, send food from home? That kind of stuff. Those are all questions you need to be aware of that you don't know that you need to be aware of before you start doing this yourself. And then, like we said before, make your visit make a so visit important. this is like yeah, so absolutely. important that you i think you will you will just get a answered. feel of the place and you will you will pick up on things that are maybe not obvious but just the body language and just you will you will like it or not that's really important mm -hmm. yes liking it is really important um i wanted so Fran, franny i remember you saying that your place actually does cloth diapers which i find places i were was in there had so much going on i would never have asked them for that yeah, well we so we were the first people that had ever cloth diapered with them and they had to check the regulations and make sure it was okay which it was um, and then we specifically bought um the all-in-one mm -hmm. cloth diapers the ones yeah. that you don't have inserts and it's not you know, a shell yeah, and the inside the thing, and there's no yeah, exactly. Right. Well, it's in washing it and putting it on. So it basically yeah. goes on the baby's it's like a regular tissue, diaper, like, yeah. uh, disposable yeah. diaper. Yeah. And so we specifically bought those just so that the daycares would work with us on them. Um, you know, and then once she started eating solids, you know, we had the diaper liners and they, they were really amazing and flexible with us. And we also tried to sort of just make it as easy as possible. We sent them our wet bag every day. They sent it home with all the fun stuff inside. You know, we would wash it, send it back the next morning with all the clean ones. So we tried to just make it really easy on them. And they were really um, accommodating and were basically, you know, she was in cloth diapers at daycare until wow, really she cool. grew out of them. So that was great. And our, our new daycare for our, our second daughter, they actually also agreed to 
to use the cloth diaper. She's not big enough yet to fit into the all-in-one. She's still in disposables, but once she starts wearing them, then they said that they would work with us the same way. So that's a big advantage for us with the in-homes. Um, so I wanted to, to talk next about, you know, basically when to start, right? So sometimes you don't have a choice because you have to go back to work. Most daycare places won't take babies until they're at least four weeks, more like six weeks old. And at this point, you know, there's no, your baby doesn't have a schedule, right? Um, but you want to talk to the to the daycare provider and, and make sure they're following these sleep guidelines, you know, the ones that we really uphold on the precious little sleep um, website and, and the Facebook page and all that stuff. Um, and most baby sleep guidelines say no more than two hours of wake time in those early weeks. So make sure that place is going to try to push your baby down for a nap after two hours of wake time. Ask if they can use a swaddle. If you've got a portable white noise machine, go ahead and bring it in. Our place would would put the sleep sheep into the crib, but I had to tell them, you know, you got to press it. It goes off automatically after, you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, bring your pacifiers from home if your baby has preferred pacifiers. You know, if they if they will do this, you know, hang some shirt you've been wearing for a while, you know, you can hang that into the crib. Um, Franny, do you have any other kind of tips for those early weeks? Yeah, I think, you know, again, I learned a lot about baby sleep from our daycare provider because she went, my older daughter went at 16 weeks, my younger one will go at 12. But, um, you know, I, until I found precious little sleep, I, I was sort of ignorant a lot of a lot of those rules. So they did things that I didn't even realize were, were great. Um, she used to nap in the sling exclusively. So it's a good question also for a daycare if they'll wear the babies. Oh, um, wow. I don't know if how unusual probably. that is, but she, I think that's unusual. Yeah, I think it probably is too. Um, so she would catnap in the swing and or in a sling rather, not in the swing. And then they would just check in with us about how are you getting her down for naps? You know, are you rocking her? And we would say, you know, we have to rock her in this specific way where you like let her head jiggle a little bit in your arms. And mm-hmm. they, they were great with any soothing that we recommended. They wanted to stay really on top of that. We sent the passies. They, you know, technically were not supposed to use swaddles. So they just sort of made do, you know, their best with getting her really asleep before they would put her into the pack. I'm wondering, play. sorry, I'll just, um, I'll just drop in here. I'm wondering yeah. whether if they can't the swaddle, swaddle they can they still can. use uh, something like a Wumbi instead of the traditional swaddle? Would that make a difference legally? Because you... You know, I was just going to ask because the swaddle technology has changed so much (laughs) since my daughter. (laughs) So my younger one is sleeping in um, the the love dream swaddle. Yeah, I know. The one where they have their hands up, right? Yeah. Their hands up, yeah. And she loves it. And I'm thinking this is sort of just like a glorified sleep sack. It's not really a swaddle. So I was just thinking that's on my list of things to do to ask our new daycare if they will allow her to sleep in that um, when she starts because she loves sleeping at that at home. So. There's an, an a really unfortunate thing here, which is that, um, well, daycares are reflexive to things that come out in the news. But you remember a while ago, there was a report about, you know, babies who oh, are yeah. swaddled on their stomachs and the mortality rate there. And so that a no, lot of daycare centers yeah. just said, okay, we're going to stop swaddling altogether. Which is really unfortunate because if you swaddle on the back, I mean, that's 100% safe. I well, shouldn't say 100%, 100% safe, but, you know, it's a high person. Nothing is 100%. 
Um, so if you, you know, moving forward in time, if, if you've been home with your baby for a while, for, you know, several months and you, and a routine is starting to emerge, then, um, you know, you've got a schedule, print out your schedule. If you want to give anything to your daycare center in writing, um, it's, it's going to be less than one page. Don't give them, you know, everything novel. that your baby's ever done. Right. Exactly. Print out a simple schedule of, of less than a page, give it to them, ask them to follow what you do at home. Ask if they can use the props that you use at home. My, um, my second one, because of the whole change in the way that daycare was set up and, and she was in a room with, um, I think, like 10 babies in it and three caregivers. Um, and so it was, you know, the lights were on and, you know, other babies were awake. It turned out that she just, she was napping really, really poorly in the crib. And even though she actually never, we never used the swing at home, they had three brand new swings there. And I said, can you please try the swing? And they did. And she would sleep great. great in the swing. And I knew the days they put her in the swing. Cause I'd pick her up in her schedule and say, you know, like hour plus <laughs> naps. I'm like, Oh, thank you. But you know, as she got older, they wanted to use the swing for the younger ones. So she didn't get to use it as much, but, um, that she was tiny. Thing. She could use it up until she was a year old. That actually reminds me if I can just sort of, um, yeah, add something on It's a really great question to ask any daycare center when you're interviewing them about what kind of, um, uh, let's see what word do I want to use like recording or what kind of feedback they will oh, yeah. give you at the end of the day about things like napping and eating. Um, you know, I know there's some places that say, Oh, you know, she's been up since three and that's the extent of it. And, and we really appreciated that we got a written handout every day with, you know, napped from nine, 12 until 10, 60, you know, 10, 25, and then napped again from one twenty two to two fifteen and a three ounce bottle followed by a 2.5 ounce bottle. And they, they were really on top of those details for us so that we could make sure we knew if she needed a cat nap at the end of the day or, right. um, you know, how long her wake time was in the morning. Cause we had a long drive and she would often fall asleep in the car on the way there, which would mess things up. But they were really great about keeping us informed about, every single little, you know, how many poopy diapers she had, literally everything came home yep. at the end of the day. So it's a really good question too, to just make sure. Yep. That's what, that was something that I was going to add was that any place worth their salt really will have yeah. a summary sheet for you at the end of the day through, I would say age two, at least, yeah. You know, um, that, that tells you because even in, you know, into age two, then they're starting to potty train. So our place would say, did she try it on the potty? You know, was it like dry on potty, wet on potty, poop on potty? They have all these things. It's kind of funny. Um, and I wanted to go back to what Katka said about her daycare saying, oh, you know, he he had a, a hard day to her. He had a difficult day today or he was difficult today or something. You know, our places were have always been very careful to never kind of lay blame on the kid yeah. to say, you know, they might say, Oh, you know, she had kind of a difficult day today, or, you know, you know, based on short naps or something that it might've been a dip difficult day that day. They'll, but they, they were also especially careful never to name the perpetrator of, you know, what we think of as negative things. Like, so, so if they sent home an, an owie report or ouch report or whatever you call it, you know, that, that someone bit her or someone hit her or something like that, you know, 
Um, and what their response was, they never named the child who did it. And I, you know, you all, you'll kind of always want to know, you know, like, oh, was it that kid? You know, but, <laughs> but really there's a reason they don't. And I yeah, think it's I a great reason yeah. that they don't. Cause I mean, everybody's some kind of behavioral issues yeah. and your own kid does that too, but you don't necessarily want really to know about it. Because it's their it's job, problem, they need to handle it right there and right then. So it's not like you can do something about it five hours later. Yeah. Oh, so man, there are so many things to talk about. I, I, so I, we, I mentioned quickly, you know, starting at a young age, just a few weeks old, I talked about, um, if it's starting at po after three months and you're working on a schedule, Katka, you mentioned a little bit about yeah. starting at a later age. I want to throw in there that, you know, the onset of separation anxiety is around nine months. The older your child gets, the yes. more their personality is going to develop. So they might start to get anxious about you leaving them in someone else's care. And that's, that was true of both my kids, even though they'd been going to daycare every day, you know, at around nine months, they yeah. didn't want to say goodbye. Um, and then as soon as they started talking, you know, can you pick me up early? You know, blah, blah, blah. I want to say one thing there, which is if you, if you have the flexibility to spend some time with your child, picking them up earlier is better than dropping them off late. Because if you drop them off late, they have this expectation of spending the day with you and it makes the drop off way harder. Yes, Whereas yes. if you pick them up early, they're super excited to see you. Franny, you talked a little bit about, and, and I could get you to to keep going on how to say goodbye to your child when you drop them off, well, you know, maybe from baby onward. I was just going to say, actually, and today it's a funny day today that you mentioned that because I, the way that... Um, we, me and my husband work daycare is we have a staggered work schedule. So I work really early in the morning. I have to be at my office usually between seven and seven fifteen, and, um, he now works for himself. So he's a little bit more flexible with starting his day later. And then I pick the girls up at, um, I get out of work at four. So he does drop off. He does the mornings by himself, bless him, gets them out the door. Well, will be both of them, but has gotten my older daughter out the door to do drop off almost every day since I went back to work three years ago. Um, so he's always managed that. What happens then, and I'm going to just say this as a word of caution, is that the expectation then is that he's going to do drop-off. So my daughter, she's three and a half years old now, and she's if, if I'm home in the morning, she thinks she's going to be spending the day with me. And I actually, this morning, this is the first time I've ever dropped her off at preschool, at her new preschool. Oh, and yeah. there were Wait. tears and screaming. Yeah, and it changed like, your routine. guaranteed to, oh, yeah. Because we changed the routine. Yeah. And so it's just one of those funny things where I'm like, you know, you've been going, we've been dropping you off at school every single day, five days a week since you were 16 weeks old. Why are you crying? Now. And it was just because she's it's never... Mom. Mom, yeah, she never says goodbye to me. Yeah, dad, daddy always has the top job. Yeah. And usually, you know, he's really good at, at staying for a second and then ripping off the Band-Aid. And yeah, um, totally. if the routine is... I've seen this so, so, so many times. And I live through it myself. And we stagger, you know, two days a week. I do drop off in three days, my husband, you know, and he can, he's like in and out, you know, I'm like, Oh, it takes so long to drop them off. They need so many things. Like, what are you talking about? At our about? daycare, they're like, I can see you're going to be emotional and then the kid will pick up on that. So they will take the child away from you quite quickly, say goodbye and take them away. Because really the more you linger, the more difficult it is for everyone involved. So 
just just know that it's normal it will take some time to adjust and usually they will maybe cry for five or ten minutes or maybe 15 minutes and then they are fine for the rest of the day they will tell you if not because that's out of the norm but really the norm is that the kid will cry maybe five or ten minutes and then they're good well and they're also really good about yeah. distracting them you know I mean the longer you stay there the more they want to be with you the second you're out the door it's literally an entire room full exactly. of age-appropriate toys and books and activities and you know so they yeah, I mean this is um this is that saying yeah. he who hesitates yeah. is lost <laughs> now, do not linger <laughs> just say I Bye. love you hug kiss Bye. you're gonna have yeah. a great day and I'll see so, you and later if you're yeah. starting with an older kid Really, um, there will be some, you know, about two weeks when things are a little tough, where the kid cries and, you know, doesn't want to let go of your neck and so on and so on. But it will end. And, you know, they're professionals. They've seen it all. They know it's normal. If there is really something more going on, they will let you know. Just don't worry about it. Try to be calm and, and the kid will pick up on that too. Yes, yes. Guys, we're coming up on 45 minutes here. We should probably wrap it up. There were uh, so many other things that we want to talk about, which means that this yep. will be a <laughs> multi-part series. Um, so stay tuned for transitions. Um, as your kids get older, if you're in a vet development center, um, you'll be moving from multiple naps to two and then one nap into, you know, in our place, they had a wobbler room, then a toddler room, then you have preschool um, I do. I wanted to mention one other thing, which is about sleeping, because sleeping is such a huge thing when it comes to daycare. But um, if you if your baby falls asleep in the car on the way into daycare, you know, you might ask, can I leave them in their car seat and put mm-hmm. the car seat in the crib? And all that might not be OK for some places, but just ask. They might be able to accommodate that. Yep. You can get in breastfeed. And if you nurse and your baby falls asleep, then, yay, then you can put them in the crib. Um, if you pick them up and their naps were limited or God forbid they didn't nap at all, you know, do you squeeze in a car nap on the way home? I'm just going to quickly yeah. here suggest yes, so that your evening can go a little bit better. Um, there's a lot more to, to talk about, but what, and, and also if you're a, a breastfeeding mother, you know, how you set up the whole pumping thing. So we're going to talk about that in future episodes. We'll talk about pumping. We'll talk about what some of your options are when your baby is not sleeping well at daycare. Is there something you can do in advance or after how you adjust the schedule in the morning, in the evening to try to deal with that? You know, maybe even what nights are going to end up looking like if they're not um, napping well at daycare. But sorry to to wrap this up here. I feel like there's still so much to talk about, but what, what we want to leave with urging you is Check out the places um, that you're interested in. Weigh your choices between at-home daycares versus a larger center and um, a development center, something like that. Um, Know the limitations that are imposed by the state. What are the state regulations? And know the limitations um, or options that you have at the particular daycare center um, that you're working with. Okay, Um, And then, you know, we've got starting at a young age, like a few weeks old versus a few months old, working toward a schedule 
and you know how things are a little bit different when you start at a later age. So I wanted to thank uh, Franny and Katka for, for joining me here today on the Precious Little Sleep Podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you at a future date.